Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com. Welcome back to another podcast of My Feminine Heart. I am joined again by the beautiful and amazing and super smart Sarah Moore. Thank you so much for coming back to the show. Thank you again for having me and the very nice compliments. <laughs> no, Sarah's going to do everything she can to keep us safe. And every time we turn off the camera, we come up with like eight more podcasts that we want to do. So um, I think you're going to be seeing Sarah with me for years to come. I'm not letting her leave. I'm definitely not letting her leave this room. <laughs> so, um, so speaking of, thank you so much, Lindsay Taub. Uh, for sharing your hotel room with us, with I mean, it's kind of plain. This isn't our typical set, but you know the information we're giving is is really important, and the fact that we're here, we are at first event 2020 in downtown Boston at the Boston Park Plaza, and uh, the opportunity just to be here uh, has just been phenomenal. And you know, Sarah and I don't live in the same neck of the woods, so the opportunity to come together, which conferences give us, um, and and to film some of these podcasts, I just I've been waiting months for this. You were like one of the first podcasts I wanted to do. Thank you. Okay. So in our in our last podcast, uh, we were talking about, um, we really focused on uh, how we can allow ourselves to become a little too relaxed in personal safety when drinking with friends mm -hmm. or drinking alone. You know, and, and we see that a lot in conferences, but we can also see it on, while um, on a date. You know, you go out and like Tinder or anything like that. You don't, you know, you may be a little bit more on guard when you're by yourself, but there's still so many red flags you need to keep an eye out for. Mm -hmm. uh, and when we first talked about this, the two big things I, I've always wanted to talk about, and I try to tell people one-on-one, -on -one, be careful with your drinks, which we've hit, mm. um, but I'm seeing dangerous behavior with transportation. Sure. Um, you know, and I think that a lot of people, you know, just because we do it, just because it's really common to open up an app and get a ride now an Uber or Lyft or whatever your transport may be, doesn't just mean that it's safe. And there's still things that you really need to be cognizant of. Absolutely. So Sarah, with your background mm -hmm. in um, crimes against people and all the experience that you've had, uh, what are some things that you are seeing as dangers that people have when, when they get into somebody's car? Well, do you know the person whose car you're getting into, right? I mean. You know, these, these services, the, the Uber and Lyft and, and whatnot, are terrific services. I mean, they were born out of the cab industry providing really bad service. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and so it uses technology. There's, there's, there's safeguards in place, but those aren't foolproof. Um, we see those in the news, right? We see those, those instances where somebody got assaulted or the driver got assaulted. I mean, so mm -hmm. the, you know, it goes both ways. Uh, and so how do, we, how do we mitigate that? Well, what, what safeties do you have when you get into somebody's cab, right? So I think of a typical cab in a, in a city as having the divider and the little slot that you pass money through or you have the swipe machine for the card. So there's, there's a physical barrier there. But what happens when you get into that car? Do you check the locks in those cars? Oh, that always scares me. Isn't there a way... Um, that you can check that there to make is. sure like and so what we're talking about is you're not getting child locked into a back seat Right. Yeah, right. so how do you do that? So 
Unfortunately, there's no real standard with car manufacturers about where these things are, but there's usually some sort of a, a switch or a button that is on the, on the door itself. So the part that, that goes into the door frame, um, that so you don't see when you're driving, obviously, or when you're in the back seat. So when you get in, you open the door and you can look for that and just check it out in your own cars. And if you can't find it in your own car, then, then call your dealership. Call whoever makes the car and say, hey, I've got a whatever year Honda Civic, and I am looking to find out if there's a child safety lock type of thing here, just so that you can see it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you could Google that switch and see it in a lot of different vehicles, just so you know what you're looking for. So it's all about preparation, right? Um, yeah, I actually don't know if my car has child locks. Right. I think my husband's does, but trust me, this is not gonna be a video you're gonna see. It's just gonna be me holding my phone going, <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out with my car. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's one thing. So that's, that's one of the few things. And that's, I mean, you know, I think about the old Crown Victoria cruisers that we used to have where you know, that was one of the, the hallmarks of those things. You couldn't unlock those doors from the back, obviously, because we didn't want suspects getting out. You know, mm -hmm. the cage was to protect us from the suspect, uh, not vice versa. Yeah, you're driving around a little prison cell, exactly. basically. Yeah. So, uh, so there's there's some of these things that can be that can be activated in, in modern cars, and you might not even know it. You know, so the only way you know that you can't get out is when um, you try to open the door and you can't get out. Right. So going down this road, I will say that, again, being raised on Lifetime movies, so I've known since I was young, tell me if this is true because I'm not a car person, mm -hmm. these are literally the conversations I had with my mother. If you're ever thrown into a trunk, <laughs> like these are, this is, this is what we talk about at yeah, Sunday night dinner. If you're ever thrown into a trunk, you peel back part of the fabric and you can punch through a brake light. Isn't that true? That you, you, or you used can. to be able to? Yeah, yeah you, can. you can. So that you if you're can. in a car and you're driving, you can at least stick your hand out right. to wave to a car behind you. And, and even, yeah. even if you can't stick your hand out, just popping that brake light out, um, tell somebody behind you that something's not quite right. And a lot now, of times officers will pull you over for missing a brake yeah, light. Exactly. So there's an option. Um, you know, the trunk thing's interesting because that's not really a danger anymore. <laughs> it is in some of the classic cars, um, but the but if you get thrown in the trunk, there's a little lever that you can just pull and, and get out. There's a there's a little pull thing, and you know we, we jokingly refer to it as the as the Jimmy Hoffa tab. Oh know? really? Okay. <laughs> so yes, this is well, this is my lifetime. I probably have known this tip since I was five years old. Right, honest of to course. God. Yeah. And, and you know that's for a while that was a a, a real fear. Um, and there's the other thing that you can do too is is you depending on the car sometimes you can you can access the back seat from the trunk as well because so many of them come yeah. down mm -hmm. so and it, it all depends on you know what's what's holding the brake light in is it just plastic you know and you can pop it out or is there a metal piece that that is like a frame there so you wouldn't you know even if you could get the brake light out you can't get out you know is there a, you know, it's a trunk. Is there a, a spare tire, crowbar type of thing, or something along those lines? You know, just silly things like that. Um, and it goes to it goes to planning. Yeah. Well, isn't one of the roles that I was always taught because I took self defense classes, yeah. and obviously this is my jam. But our, you know, I feel like we're always taught the last thing you ever want to do is end up with somebody. Right. If they are trying to get you into a car or into their home or into the woods, like sure. you do everything you can to prevent that part right. from happening. Right. And, 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 you know, you think about um, the, the quote-unquote rape whistle, right? Mm -hmm. Having that whistle. What's the purpose of that? To draw attention to something bad that's happening. Mm -hmm. So, you know, m 
people ask me, what's the best alarm system to have at your house? And I tell you, the loudest one. Because <laughs> yeah. that's going to draw attention, right? Um, you know, it's going to take a while for the monitoring service to get that alarm and to notify the police and do all this stuff. But if it's really loud and obnoxious, somebody's going to notice. And even if they don't come running over to help, they're going to notice and they're going to make a call to the police. Oh my gosh, I just had this flashback to college. When I was in college, um, my girlfriend lived in a basement apartment. And there was, what did we call him? I went to Pitt in the early 2000s. It was like the East Side Strangler or something. It was an East Side Rapist. Okay. And he crawled into her apartment. Oh my. She was home and it was a basement apartment and the window was about this big. Like it was, mm-hmm. um, you know what those windows are like where you're in the subfloor and it's that little sure. window up to the street. Um, she heard something come into her, someone come into her bedroom. She was in her living room. She came back and caught the person coming in to her window. And she screamed so loud that his body weight hadn't shifted mm-hmm. fully into the apartment. So it benefited him to leave. Okay. Like it was easier for him to exit than to stand with the screaming woman because then how was he going to rape her? But right. like they fingerprinted him and it was, you know, like the, I, I want to say East Side Rapist. I have mm-hmm. to like Google this now. Yeah. But yeah, I mean being loud. Right. Just, yeah. Don't. Just, and, and, you know, making yourself a, a, a harder... I mean, you know, there's there is benefit to submission and there's benefit to fighting, um, and it all depends on you know the situation, and and that could be a whole another series of podcasts. Oh, I want to do ones where we demo some self defense <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, but but the reality is is that you know for the most part, people do not want to draw attention to themselves, and if it's you know a situation where it's uh, an assault within a home, um, you know, it's it's a it's a date uh, situation, and this person's going to force themselves on you. Um, sometimes submission is is safer, and only you as the individual can judge that. Um, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to tell anybody to to do or not do anything without knowing the full situation. But um, that that sort of proverbial stranger attacking you in the street, um, they don't want the attention. And, and if you can bring attention to that, you're probably going to be better off. So literally last night, I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this. This is like, so Lindsay Taub, um, our image consultant who's letting us use this space, uh, she's a New Yorker. And um, so we were, we were walking and talking last night and she was like, growing up in New York, I would pretend I had Tourette's. Walking alone at night, anytime I was alone, I would just start screaming. <laughs> like, like nobody wants to be near the crazy person. So, like, if you are the danger, <laughs> like people are going to stay away from you. Like, sure. there's something wrong with this person. But she will. She's like this tiny little, you know, an obvious prey person, mm-hmm. tiny little thing. And you know, just walking down the street, just losing her shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So okay. Getting back to sure. Uber okay. and transportation. And transportation. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know. Whether it's a cab or an Uber or a Lyft or, or something else, uh, you know, getting in and, you know, just first off, being aware of your surroundings, right? So do you pour yourself into the Uber by yourself uh, or, the, or the taxi by yourself when you can't see straight and nobody's with you? No. Is that safe? No, no. of course not. Um, and, and thinking of it here in this setting, socially talking and whatnot, that's that's obvious. But what does what does alcohol do? 
It mm-hmm. changes our view on things, and we do things that we might not normally do. Uh, we, we take those extra risks. So that goes back to what we discussed in the last session about having your buddy mm-hmm. and, and having somebody with you. And so strength in numbers, right? So if two of you pile in the back of a, of a, of a ride share, um, you're a little bit safer than just one of you. Mm-hmm. And if three of you pile in the back of the ride chair and one in the, in the, in the passenger seat, you're even a bit safer, right? Because mm-hmm. now you're, you're, you really have control of the situation. You've, you've outnumbered the driver. Yes. And perhaps the driver's a little afraid now, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not, not you. But, um, and one of the things we can do with, with the ride share apps that we can't do with taxis is we can look at the reviews. Oh, and, and that's important. And, you know, we all know how reviews go. You know, people can have, you know, these negative reviews because one person had a bad experience and you read the, the, the context of that bad experience and you're like, well, I, I get your perspective on it, but that's not, that's not saying that this person is, is a danger or bad. Mm-hmm. It's just saying maybe they weren't the most talkative or maybe they were... Whatever yeah, whatever you're... Were, whatever the, there are people who are always complainers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But when you generally have all these rides and you can sometimes depending on the company and and what's what they're sharing with you about the reviews if you can see you know was that a man or a woman that 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 wrote that review if if all the women are saying really weird guy here was the driver but we got where we were going we didn't have any problems that's a red flag Mm -hmm. and hopefully uber and lyft is catching that Hopefully, yes, yeah. Hopefully. So what I'll say is what I see is, um, and I was seeing it at the at the, uh, the DC VC soiree with with some of the some of the gals, um, and I remember seeing it because I think it was right before that conference, right before that trip, there was a story of a girl in Vegas who just got picked up, mm-hmm. and she got picked up by like she just got into somebody's car, like she thought it was her Uber and it wasn't, and I remember reading that story. I'm like. Where, where are your safety steps? And mm-hmm. I, and not to victim shame, no. um, but you wonder, um, was she inebriated or was she sober? And did she know to do these safety steps? And I'm seeing people not do these steps here. So I'll tell you how I get into an Uber. Um, you have the information. And I say Uber, Lyft, both, you know, general, whichever. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the information. I check the license plate first. I walk up to the driver and I ask them their name. Mm-hmm. And then I ask them who they're there for. And what I'm seeing is dangers. I, I saw this. People will walk up and say, hi, I'm Cassandra. Are you here to pick me up? Don't yeah. do that. Don't, Don't do that. Do that Make them know who you yeah. are first. Yeah. And and that's a really good a good tip. And it goes right into, even if you don't take that extra step, which is a great extra step to take, simply looking at the type of car, the plate number, and what the driver looks like. That's all there. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, some states you're not required to have a front plate so what do you do then well you see the car looks like it's the right one and they the driver waves to you and they've got their little uber beacon or lift beacon or whatever it is and so just take a walk around the back of the car yeah. have a look at the license plate he doesn't care see if it matches up what's the matter yeah, as simple as that mm-hmm. um there's nothing to be embarrassed about not, nothing at all because you're taking that extra step and that's that's an important step to take well, and for me, I don't know cars at all. I, I literally still walk up to the wrong car in the garage thinking it's mine. Like, oh, it's a white car. It looks like my car. Um, but I'm I'm like Mr. Magoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I've got, like, the thick glasses. Right. Um, so I literally, like, they see me do it. I have to walk up and, like, go right up to that license plate just to be able to read it. Like, 
One of the things that I wish that, that these companies would do is rather than have the generic image of the, the Toyota whatever or whatever the car is, um, even though they do the generic image with the proper color, I would rather there was a picture of the driver with their car. Ooh, yes. So that I can see the two of them connected and I see what that car looks like. Because you know what? There's a lot of cars that look very, very much the same. And if you don't notice that, that little icon hood ornament type of thing, you may not know for sure that that's the right car. It's you, you see a black four-door sedan, well, that could be a Honda, it could be a Ford, it could be, you know, whatever. And the cars are getting more and more similar, I feel like, mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. Well, and see, and here's the thing. You know, you're probably saying, is this really important? Like, what are the odds? But if you think about the podcast where we talked about before, if you've heard those, one of the things we're talking about is if somebody's going to be a predator, they're going to set themselves up and go to the places of the easiest prey. Where would that be? A hotel. People are standing outside Absolutely. on their phones. Everyone's always on their phone. Oh, they must, they're probably looking for a ride. I mm -hmm. mean, that's, that's how I would do it if I was attacking somebody. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and honestly, it doesn't take much to go to your computer and print off a sticker that says Uber on it. Mm -hmm. And you could have never once been vetted by Uber. You could have never once signed up for anything related to that. And you just show up like you're the Uber driver and nobody knows the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I and mean, these are, you know, it's, it's the little things that you're like, wow. I mean, it's just, it's a small little thing that could save your life. Absolutely. That it's that serious. Yeah. So is there anything else we wanted to hit in this segment? Because I have so much more I want to talk to you <laughs> about. And I know if we go into a whole other topic, <laughs> um, we're going to go down that road for forever. Oh, yes. Um, valets. Sure. So valets, you know, you are, you are giving the valet your, your life, essentially, because what's in your car? Car registration. Mm -hmm. What's on the registration? Your address. Okay, maybe I don't have the car registration in there, which you're supposed to in every state, but I have my insurance card in there uh, that has my personal information on it, right? So my recommendation is if you have a valet key, uh, then use your valet key. And valet key is, is really a, a cool idea um, that is it will unlock the car, it will start the ignition, but it will not unlock the glove box. I'd never heard of this. I thought you were just telling us to really? get like a duplicate key. Is this like only fancy cars? Because I don't drive a fancy I car. I have a Nissan. Okay, because I drive like a Subaru. Yeah, I have a <laughs> like... Nissan and it came with a valet key. That is so smart. I wonder if I have a spare key to my car. I wonder if it's a valet key and no one explained it to me. It's entirely possible. I don't know. Does um, my glove box lock? Oh, see, and this is why we're doing this. I'm literally, I, I'm, I, this is just at least for me, so mm -hmm. I can stay safe. So let's say, let's say you don't have the fancy valet key, you just mm -hmm. have your normal keys. Have a single car key on a ring, uh, preferably without the fob that goes with it. Um, so they have to physically unlock the door and put the key in the ignition. Um, now, why don't you want them to have the fog? The fob? Because, the, fob. because the, the programming in that um, is such that if somebody was savvy enough, they could clone it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and it's not something that's commonly done, but it, it is a risk. Um, but again, if you are somebody who's going to do that, you're going to put yourself in a situation where you can. Right. You're going to be a mechanic. You're going to be a valet. Yeah. You're, you know. So, so basically, even if you give them the fob because you want to make sure they lock your car, 
that's your that's your call. But secure your valuables uh, mm-hmm. first off. Uh, so so don't leave the cash full of rent or the envelope full of rent money in the uh, in the glove box. Don't do um, that when you're going into Wendy's either. <laughs> like just don't don't leave money in your car. <laughs> like um, don't leave your phone. Yeah, don't leave don't leave things that that are important to you. Um, and don't give them any of your other keys. So if you have a spare set of keys in your car because you always lock yourself out of the house or something like that, um, make sure that they're either secured somewhere or they're not in the car that when you're when you're doing the valet thing. And um, you know, it's it's just really basic things because you want to safeguard not only your your property but your person because identity theft. Yeah, identity theft is huge. And guess what? If you're going if you're going to a hotel where there's a valet, you're going to a hotel, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to be, maybe you're just going there for, for dinner, or maybe you're there for a week, mm-hmm. like first event, mm-hmm. right? So now the valet has your house key and they have your address. Yeah. And yeah. which they can use at any time. Absolutely. It doesn't mean that they're doing it while you're here at first right. event, or they could. They could because they know that you're not home. Or they could fence it to somebody else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Um, you know, the, the thieves have their own networks, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, those looking to do harm have their own networks, so uh, they will sell things to the highest bidder, and, you know, we see that with the dark web for personal information. We see that um, just even in the local thieves, you know, exchanging information. So, uh, and, and I do the same thing. I never even, I never give my garage door opener or mm-hmm. my um, house keys to my mechanic. Mm-hmm. I call my mechanic like my surrogate dad because my parents no longer live um, in our state. Mm-hmm. And so, and I drive all the time. Like I do big road trips like up here to Boston. Sure. And so I literally go to my mechanic and he just, he's the one who he takes it into his guys and they just make sure my fluids are topped. I mean, I can do it. I can put air in my tires, but I, I like having my car checked. Mm-hmm. And so I call him, he's like my surrogate dad. Um, he's such a sweet man. I, I trust him obviously with my life because I trust him with my car. I don't know who he has in his shop. Right. I know the guy who usually works on my car is also amazing, and I love him. But I don't know everybody back mm-hmm. there, you know. And I don't know if anybody has a friend that's. I, you just don't know. Right. Um, so I think if you just you don't trust anybody ever, you're fine. Is that like the key? Simple, simple enough. Simple enough. Yeah. But you know, you it goes back to you know we were talking about ride shares and and the reputation on how many stars they have, how many rides they've had, you know, and and the reviews. Um, that's that's important, but. Well, when you're choosing that auto mechanic, you know what is their reputation? Is it is it this shop that just opened up and nobody knows them, or is it somebody who you trust implicitly? And you know we have uh, mechanics that, that we trust for the police department, obviously. Um, and you think about you know sometimes those cars have to go to the dealers mm-hmm. because it's a warranty issue, right? And so so. We have to take precautions when we're taking police cruisers to the dealers because we don't know who's working there. Um, you know, they may may not be doing any sort of criminal background checks or anything like that. You don't you don't need to have a uh, a clean criminal record to be a mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, you just don't know, and so it all comes back to relationships and reputations, and you know, who does this person recommend? Why do they recommend that person? Mm-hmm. And you know, just doing a little bit of extra legwork rather than oh my goodness, my car needs to be inspected because I waited until the last minute and I, I'm just going to drive into the first shop I can, right? Yeah. Well, and I feel like that goes with anything. And, you know, obviously being a raised 
super paranoid, <laughs> like always on alert. Um, I had a, a gentleman in my networking group uh, runs a security business. So I was very excited for him to come to my home and tell me all the points of entry that are, are of danger. And we were talking about who is the most likely person to burgle you. Hmm. And the answer is the contractors that are coming in and out of your house. You have an electrician come in, you have a contractor come in, and you have the con- you're just sitting there, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going out of town next week. And I always think back to that show, Breaking Bad. Did you see Breaking Bad? <laughs> I've seen bits of it. I haven't, oh, okay. seen the, the, I haven't seen the whole series, but yeah. Yeah, I don't want to spoil alert anybody, but um, there, there, there are people, they call them B&E artists, and they are people who provide a home contracting service. And the thing is, is they, they, they go into their homes and they do a beautiful job at their job, but then they either months later go back and burgle you or they sell your information like you're talking about to sure. another B&E artist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I literally had a, a cleaning lady um, every week that she came. She doesn't come every week. That'd be nice. <laughs> but every time she came, she had someone new with her. Mm. And I just was not okay with, you are not, you cannot parade this many people through my private home. Um, you know, you, you're seeing where my valuables are kept. You're seeing the doors and the locks. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, you tell me that you vet these people, but how do you have time to vet all these people? Um, so I literally stopped using her services because I wanted somebody who was the same person every time that I could trust. Yeah. 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 And makes perfect sense. Boy, we went off track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So um, we're going to start going into the deeper stuff. Um, that's really, it's so crucial and so important. And I feel like we're going to take a stepping stone there. So, you know, one of the things that Sarah talks about a lot is domestic violence. And it's huge. And I always, I talk, I always try to talk about it all the time. It, you know, if I don't hide the fact that I grew up in a violent home because you don't often see that from, I don't know, like pretty white girls that just talk about like, mm-hmm. oh, the abuse that I grew up with um, because it's taboo because we don't talk about it. And I think, you know, like what are the statistics on, on domestic violence? It's pretty high. It is, it is high. I mean, you know, Depending on which study you look at, I mean, one in four women will experience domestic violence in their in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I don't want to. I don't want. I mean, this is a, a big topic, but you know, to say that it's just a female victim, male perpetrator thing is not accurate. No, um, not st- at all. But statistically speaking, the majority of victims are women, and the majority of perpetrators are males. Uh, but it does go the other way as well. And a lot of times, what we look at is we look at the purpose of the violence. Mm-hmm. And um, the purpose of the violence, when a male uses it, more often than not is about power and control. Whereas more often than not, when a women, when women use violence against men, it's, it's out of a situation. Still wrong, still not okay. Like I'm really angry but, and I'm gonna start hitting you because right. I'm so angry and mad yeah, at you, you and you're not fighting back. You just found out your partner's cheating mm-hmm. and um, you know, you're, you're furious and you do something that you wouldn't normally do. It was a response to a provocation perceived or actual. And again, it's not something you normally do versus the man. And I think we've all seen that. Oh, we've yeah, all absolutely. been, we've all been yeah, in a absolutely. bar or restaurant and we've seen a woman lose her business. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. But when the man uses it, it's, it's a, it's more about control. I've lost control of you because my manipulation isn't working right at the moment. So mm-hmm. I have to keep you in line. So therefore I'm going to resort to physical violence. And again, relationships don't usually start this no. way. You don't beat somebody bloody on the first date. No, no, no. Um, it starts with 
little bits of manipulation, little bits of control. And before you, you even know yourself, you may be somebody who's in an emotionally abusive or mentally abusive or physically abusive. Of course. Um, a dear friend of mine exited a 23-year marriage, so almost a quarter of a century, with spiritual abuse, mm. which I never heard of outside of like hearing it in like the Middle East. Um, the abuse was so... It's, this is a whole story I'll tell later. Um, but she literally had video of him. He was paddling the devil out of her mm. in front of her sons. You know, I mean, it just... Uh, but so one of the things that we want to talk about is... What are some signs that you or someone you love may be in an abusive relationship? And one of the hardest things that I've dealt with is knowing that I know people in abusive relationships and trying to figure out how do I tell them because they don't seem to know. How do I get them out because they don't seem to want out? You know, what do do we do? So, Sarah, when we have you back, we're going to hit signs of abuse and we're going to talk about what, what to do. Um, and we can probably have then a whole separate conversation about if you're in the abusive relationship, how do you exit safely? Sure. Um, but we, we definitely, I mean, it's not talked about a lot and it needs to, you can never talk about this enough until it's a norm. One in four people experiencing, um, violence in their life is not okay. Not okay at all. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. So (laughs) lots of information, Sarah, I'll like never be able to stop talking about you. It's just like this wealth, this fountain of of things that you have to share. If you ever get a chance, definitely speak with this person in person, attend one of her seminars and workshops. And, and when are you, when are you speaking again? Well, um, I expect to be speaking at Keystone, although I haven't gotten confirmation of the workshop I proposed. I mean, the, I think it's a little early yet. Yeah, they're still figuring the, the it out. The deadline was last night at midnight, I think, for, for for submissions anyway. So there's still there's still some time, and Keystone's not for another couple of months. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Sarah. So if you get a chance, if you're going to Keystone, look her up. And uh, thanks again to Lindsay Tab, image consultant, who will also be at Keystone. And uh, I'll be there as well. I'll be photographing. I'm going to be conducting a lot of podcasts for for My Feminine Heart, a lot of interviews. So thank you so much for taking this time and sharing this wealth of knowledge with us. We could not appreciate it more. Very welcome. And goodbye, everybody. Talk to you soon. Join our mission of outreach, education, and support for the transgender community at myfeminineheart.com.